I'm a witness. How about you? Praise the Lord for that good music. I'm excited to have them back at the end of the service to sing some more. And they have been such a blessing as they always are. Thank you guys for being with us. And uh, today we're continuing our series in the book of the Revelation. If you'll turn with me to Revelation chapter 13, and as you get there, if you'll stand with me as we read God's Word together. For those of you that are new to this series, two things I would encourage you. One, all of these sermons are on our church podcast. You can go all the way back. I think it was August of last year when we started in Revelation chapter 1. And now these several months later, we are uh, over halfway done with the book, going section by section. And so uh, I would really encourage you to do that. Not, that. not that my messages are anything great, but the Bible is great. And teaching from the Bible is what our lives should be built on. And that's what we're doing here, just you know, going one little passage after the next. Until we get to the end, and then we're going to turn around after that, and we're going to open up another book of the Bible, and we're just going to go through that too, because that's what we're supposed to be doing at church. Now, the second thing I want to say is this. Uh, we have been reading every word of the book of Revelation together out loud. And, and in Revelation 1 and verse 3, the Bible tells us that those people that do that receive a special blessing from the Lord. How many of you want God to bless you? Okay, well, this is one way. So, if you haven't been with us the whole time, then just go home uh, and find yourself a place and just start reading the book of Revelation out loud. And, I, I, and by the way, we're going to continue this practice because I'm sure that uh, God would be okay if we just kept reading his word out loud together. Don't you think so? Oh, mercy. Well, let's begin today in Revelation 13 and verse 11. Together begin. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He calls us all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. His number is 666. Six, six. Now, some of y'all are really looking forward to this one, okay? I'm going to go ahead and tell you. 
I'm going to greatly disappoint some of you today, okay? Because you came today thinking, pastor's going to call out exactly what the mark of the beast is, and I'm not. Y'all can go home now. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, too many people have spent too much time trying to figure out stuff that God doesn't tell us what it is. So there's a greater message here that God wants us to have. And by God's grace this morning, I'd like to bring a message labeled following a lie. Following a lie. Let's go ahead and pray and then we'll start. Lord, we love you. We're grateful for the word of God. We're grateful for the testimony of Jesus Christ. We are so humbled and so honored to have not only sung, but heard sing about the great name of Jesus Christ. Today, Lord, we come to you and we say, you are the only one who is worthy because you alone are our creator, you are our redeemer, and everything that we have is because of you. You have given us life. You've given us abundant life. You have made all things possible for us. And we give you the glory today, and we are thankful for what we have in Jesus. And today, help us to guard our hearts against all lies against spiritual wickedness in high places. Help us to be on guard. Help us to tactically understand the battle that we are in. Not just one in the future, but one we are in right now. And Lord, help us to follow truth. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can find your seats, please. June 25th, 1899, four reporters from a Denver newspaper met for drinks after a day of relative inactivity trying to decide what in the world they were going to report on for the news of the day. Because they had nothing exciting to write about, they sat there through drinks and decided to make up a story about the Great Wall of China. And there's been various variations of this story given, but essentially that part of the Great Wall of China was going to be destroyed and it was going to be turned into a road and that it was American companies that were going to be doing this. And uh, this was published, of course, then circulated widely. And some, although not all, some people have directly connected this lie to the Boxer Rebellion in China that took place in 1899 to 1901. The Boxer Rebellion was an attempt uh, by a certain group among the Chinese to literally eliminate all foreigners from China, which put American lives at extraordinary risk. Isn't it amazing how lies can mess things up? I remember reading a story in 1984, April 1st, 1984, 
uh, Sports Illustrated magazine put out a headline article called The Curious Case of Sid Finch. And Sid Finch was a 20-plus-year-old recruit for the New York Mets that nobody had heard about. And he was said to be able to throw a fastball at 120 miles an hour. And he was a reclusive guy, didn't really go to college, and just was like this phenom uh, that was found out in some cornfield in Nebraska somewhere. But remember, the release date was April the 1st, 1984. There was no Sid Finch. It was just a lie. And while one of those lies seemed to be very significant and caused obvious damage, the second of those lies seemed to be relatively innocent and just a joke. However, here's what we know. Lies are real. And lies can be absolutely destructive. And I was reading some of this stuff on a website uh, recently called the Museum of Hoaxes. And on this website, it's just the whole thing is funny. The, the fact of the matter is, I don't even think the website's real. Because as it lists the, the different business people related to it and all these things, and, and, and they're supposed to be an actual museum in San Diego, I'm just going to tell you this. I'm not taking a flight to San Diego anytime soon to try to visit this place because I don't know if it's real. But I want to tell you this. The Museum of Hoax is not just a website. It is human history. Human history is a museum of hoaxes. Human history all the way to the original man and woman and between every man and woman since the first man and woman to this day. History is literally room after room after room of a museum. And that museum is a museum filled with lies. And sadly, it is littered also with the destruction of lives who have believed those very lies. Listen very carefully to me this morning. The devil is a liar. And I just woke up this morning and felt compelled to call the devil just who the devil is at River City Baptist Church this morning. John 8, 44 says, he is the father of lies and was a murderer from the beginning. All truth is God's truth and all lies come from the devil himself. By the way, if you are a liar yourself... You find yourself in some pretty bad company this morning. But did you know that the devil has even planted liars into the pulpit? Not everyone who speaks in the name of God is speaking the truth of God. False prophets in the Bible are dangerous deceivers. They can come right into your home every day through your television set, through the radio, through YouTube, through the internet. Be very careful that you as a follower of Jesus Christ do not listen to and believe everything that you hear. Because some stuff 
that you might hear even from a preacher could be the very thing that can ruin your life, even if it comes from a very entertaining speaker and someone that has national or worldwide influence. I want to say to my church this morning that we should be more like the Bereans. The Bereans were noble because when they heard the Word of God, they examined the Scriptures to see if those things that they heard were so. That is why at this church, we are always going to have an open Bible in our laps or on our phones because I don't want you to take my word for what's going on in the world. The fact of the matter is, my word is about as good as your word, but his word is better than all words, and we need to listen to what God says. You know, the Bible is very clear that false prophets are everywhere, and we need to beware Matthew chapter 7 verse 15 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. 1 John chapter 4 verse 1 says, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And what scares me about some Christians, and hopefully not in this room right here, is you are literally devil bait because unfortunately not being a discerning Christian whose life is saturated in the word of God who is committed to listening to more truth than lies you will find yourself suspended out there without a home and without a base and without a foundation and any little wind of doctrine that blows and any little wind of current culture blows and you're going to find yourself moving around and shifting around. I mean, like a little kid that can't decide if today he likes a purple popsicle or a red popsicle. But friends, I'm not talking about something simple like popsicles here. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about direction. I'm talking about future. I'm talking about your eternity. And here's the key. The Antichrist, unfortunately, is not alone in his diabolical mission. We just learned last week about the Antichrist. We learned about the one who is going to come in the image of Christ and appear to be like Christ and will will, will demand to be worshipped like Christ. And he will be here during the great tribulation time, and he will rise to prominence during the last half of the tribulation period. In in Revelation 13, verse 1, he is the beast that rises out of the sea. But in Revelation 13, 11, he has a sidekick, and this is the beast that rises up out of the land. So there's two beasts. And we know that beast number one is the Antichrist. We identified him last week, but beast number two is identified as what we would call the false prophet. Listen to Revelation chapter 16 verse 13. The Bible says, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. And right then and there, you see the satanic trinity in the tribulation period. You've got the devil, you've got the antichrist, and you have got uh, the false prophet. And just like there's father, son, and spirit, there is an imitation of father, son, spirit by the devil, by the antichrist, and by the false prophet. So friends, listen, as we navigate verses 11 through 18, we are going to discover that the Antichrist will rise to prominence. He will be empowered, of course, by Satan himself. But listen very carefully. He will be promoted by the false prophet. 
So I want you to learn about him this morning because this is incredibly important for how you interpret what you are hearing, what you are thinking about, and how you are following Jesus today. Number one, in verses 11 and 12, I want you to see the affiliation of the false prophet. The affiliation of the false prophet. And very simply, he is affiliated with the first beast. And the, the, in fact, the word here, notice verse 11, then I saw another beast. Now, I've said this before, and I've even said it in this series before, but let me bring it up here so that you have clarity on this. In the Greek language, there are two different words that are translated another, okay? Uh, one is another of a different kind, and, and then the second word is another of the same kind. And one of the best places you see this played out in word study is in Galatians chapter number 1, where Paul says this, If a man preaches another gospel which is not another. Another first, another of a different kind, which is not another, another of the same kind. Folks, listen. There is only one gospel. Jesus Christ died Jesus Christ shed his blood. Jesus Christ rose from the dead for our sins according to the scripture. Plus nothing, minus nothing. Friend, I don't care how eloquent the preacher is. I don't care how big the church is. I don't care how fancy everybody dresses. I don't care how well put together everybody is in the congregation. If you hear somebody who will not just plainly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, the only life, and nobody gets to heaven without Jesus without his blood, without his death, without his resurrection, you are not hearing the truth. You're hearing another gospel. Now, now listen very carefully. The only reason I brought that up is because in verse 11 here, another is the second one. It's another of the same kind. And it's tying the false prophet in verse 11 back to the Antichrist in verse number 1. So there is literally a satanic false trinity that is to mimic or counterattack the trinity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And many Bible scholars have called it the satanic trinity. Now notice something here. It says he's coming up out of the earth and he has two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. I want you to underscore the two words that are used twice there, like a, like a. Now, folks, listen, beware of a wolf that appears like a lamb. And beware of a teacher that speaks like a dragon. Now, now I, I want to be clear here. It, that what, is, what, it, what this is saying is the false prophet who will come is going to appear to be something, but it's not what he's really going to be. He is going to appear like a lamb, but he's actually going to be a wolf. He is going to speak like a dragon. And by the way, we're not talking about standing on a mountain and breathing fire. Some of y'all been watching too many cartoons with your kids, okay? That's not the kind of dragon that I'm talking about. The dragon is ferocious, but there's another side to this dragon, isn't there? There is a slithering. There is a, a, there is a, a cunning. There is a, a secretive line about this dragon 
in which his words will be smooth, his words will be a cunning, and through his appearance and through the words that he says, he will absolutely be a danger to those who were listening to him. Can I just say this to you this morning? Looks can be deceiving. Words can be deceiving. I, and I want to I say this, I'm, I'm only going to do this one time, and then I'm going to move on today. But friend, while we should beware of lambs who look, or excuse me, wolves who look like lambs, and, 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 and men that speak like dragons. Can I, can I say one word of application here? Because I just feel like God wants me to say this. And, and let, me, let me tell you this. Beware of lambs who speak like wolves. And boy, I got to tell you. If ever there has been something that has hurt families, hurt churches, hurt careers... Hurt social media accounts. He's been people who are supposed to be lambs who speak like wolves. Now, friend, I got to tell you, I know the devil is going to be the devil. And I know the devil is going to act like something he's not. But can I just give a word of admonition to people in the house of God today? There shouldn't be lambs talking like wolves. There shouldn't be lambs, let me just put it down where it is, slandering other good Christians and other good churches or slandering their neighbors in private conversations or cooking up the preacher after school for or after church for a, a, a lunchtime snack or, or finding a way. Look, I got to tell you folks, sometimes, and you wonder why I'm not friends with a lot of people on Facebook. I'll tell you why, because quite honestly, I get sick to my stomach when I see people on, that are Christians preachers are worse than most Christians and that's even harder to believe and they literally spend their lives tearing apart, criticizing hurting, harming, wounding with their words everything that moves I gotta tell you, there ought to be some love and some grace and some encouragement. I mean, how many of you, you get beat up enough at work, you get beat up enough out there in this culture, this ought to be a place where there's nothing but encouragement and positive love and a place where you can be helped and find healing and strength, not a place where you get assaulted and torn down every time you turn your back and have another quote-unquote friend on Facebook that don't know which end is up concerning how they should talk and how they should think and how they should criticize. God help us. I'd rather not have social media than be an idiot on social media. Somebody help me right now. You know what's happened with, with our culture? You, you, you guys got to be aware of this and you should be aware of this for your kids. Social media is a masquerade where you can be something that you're not, listen very carefully, and speak like a coward behind a keyboard and a computer screen or an iPhone when nobody else is looking or seeing or can respond appropriately to what you're doing. I was talking to Keith last night, and he answered a question online. You know what the guy did? He deletes the comment and then private messages and seeks to torture him. Look, this is a culture where you want to say whatever you want to say and be critical about whatever you want to be critical. And the minute somebody provides a soft answer, we've got to get up in arms about it. Folks, we have lost our ability to reason. We have lost our ability to have healthy conversations. we run from trouble, and then we demonize everybody that doesn't agree with us. God help us today. That is not what the church should be like. That is not what the Christian should be like. You want to know why? Because that's what the devil's like. So the affiliation of the false prophet is the Antichrist. Let's very carefully. Number two, the actions 
of the false prophet. And I want to give you these real quick. There are five distinguished false prophet actions in this passage of Scripture, okay? Beginning in verse number 13. The Bible says here, in verse 13, he performs, watch this. He, well, no, let me back up to the end of verse 12. He causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. By the way, Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 16, specifically about false prophets, he says these words, you will know them by their fruits. How will you be able to identify a false prophet or how would you be able to identify the false prophet? And the answer is very clear. He will do things that when you look at them, it's like, okay, he's a false prophet. What will he do? Number one, he will cause false worship. With the delegated authority that he has, he is the representative of the beast. Essentially, he is a witness and an advocate of the Antichrist. He is a promoter of gross idolatry. He causes earth dwellers to worship the first beast who is parodying the Lord's suffering, death, and resurrection. Remember, I told you that in the, last, in the, in the first part of this chapter. What did the false prophet do? I mean, I'm sorry, what did the Antichrist do? He gave an appearance that he died and rose again. He's literally trying to mimic Jesus at every move of his life. And you know what the false prophet's doing? He's standing over there going, look at this. He died and he rose again, just like I'm sitting here telling you today. Jesus died and rose again. The difference is Jesus actually did die and rise again, and the Antichrist did not die and rise again. It's a hoax. Somebody said this this week in my, in my study. Listen to this. People are incurable worshipers. Everyone worships something, whether the true God, false gods, or themselves. So who are you worshiping today? In an, in an article entitled, The UN Faithful Eye Global Religion, okay, the United Nations faithful are setting their eyes on global religion. Listen very carefully, folks. The Secretary General of the United Nations Millennial Peace Summit thinks that all religious apples fall from the same tree and are equally delicious. At a recent international meeting, he told 1,000 delegates that religions need to accept the validity of all religions or else it will be difficult to attain world peace. I just want to stop there and say this. I just want to thank God for the old preacher of last century, Adrian Rogers, who was a standard bearer for people that believe the Bible that stood up in front of about 20,000 people at a Southern Baptist convention where half of them didn't believe the Bible and half of them did believe the Bible. And he told a story about a brother who came to him and said, now look, if you take this stand on the Bible and you believe it's the word of God and you believe that Jesus is the only way of salvation, he said these words, we won't be able to get together. And these are the classic words of response by Adrian Rogers in the pulpit in front of thousands of people that did not believe what he was saying. He said these words, we don't have to get together. Folks, and if me coming together with someone else means that I am blurring the lines of the Bible and the ministry of Jesus Christ, I just want you to know, you're looking at a preacher right now that has no intention of getting together with that. I do not believe world peace is a bigger priority than the truth of the Word of God. It's all, all going to end in a war anyways. It's all going to burn up with fervent heat. He's going to come, come on. He's going to come down and he's going to set up a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem and the former things are going to be passed away. My goal in life is not preserving peace. It's not preserving earth. It's not recycling cans. It's not saving whales. The priority of my life is to preach Jesus Christ. 
going to be difficult, he says. Recently, he says, the notion has emerged that the pathway to peace necessitates the unification of religion. The universal religion, the URI, the universal religion initiative recently convened with 300 people presenting 39 religions and signed a charter which officially launched a movement and the goal that there is coming a day in which religious people will no longer insist on a single truth. Cancel my subscription to the URI. You're not going to see my name on that document. You're not going to see me saying that's okay. I am not looking for a single religion, especially when somebody will not say that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that Jesus Christ died on a bloody cross, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead the third day. If you don't preach that and you don't believe that, I don't care if it's Muhammad. I don't care if it is the Pope. I don't care if it is Buddha. I don't care if it's Mormon. I don't care what it is. If it's not Jesus I have no interest in it so what will the false prophet do he'll tell you this oh it's all the same and then ultimately you know what's going to happen he will disarm all religions and create a new religion and the new religion is worship the antichrist he won't be a Buddhist he won't be a Mormon he will not be a uh, Islam he won't be a Baptist he'll be his own thing and then they're going to erect a giant statue in Israel the Bible says it right here they're going to erect a giant new statue and people will be told to worship the statue and you say, how are they going to get him to worship the statue? Well, well, next, number two, he performs great signs. Look at this. Verse 13. He perform- <laughs> Well, look at that. I pulled around the Bible. Right over this. He performs great signs. Watch this. So that even he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Now, whether it's real or fabricated, I don't know. The devil has real power. If you don't believe that, go back to the book of Exodus and read the ten plagues. Those demon-possessed magicians were able to do some very unique things. And you go tampering with the spirits and you go messing around with the devil and you start welcoming to your home in different ways. I'm telling you, you'd be surprised at how much power the devil can take. Oh, by the way, did you know alcohol is called spirits? And did you know Did you know in the, in the Old Testament, witchcraft? Somebody better help me up here and listen very carefully. Did you know witchcraft in the Bible, the word witchcraft? When you read witchcraft in the Bible, in Greek, did you know what the word is? Pharmakia. So everybody who thought it was a good idea to start snorting cocaine, everybody thought it was a good idea to start shooting heroin up in their veins, everybody thought it was a good idea to start uh, smoking marijuana and getting involved with recreational drugs, you know what you were doing, friend? You were welcoming witchcraft into your life. You say you're a crazy preacher. No, actually be honest with you, I think you're crazy. You mean to tell me that you want to try to justify and defend things that clearly destroy, wreck, and ruin people's lives all for the sake of whatever the outcome is? I'd rather stand on the side that says, beware of letting the devil come into your home and come into your kids and come into your family and ripping you apart and tearing you out of church and getting you away from God. Not everything that appears to be a miracle is a miracle, and not everything that is a miracle is a miracle from God. Chuck Swindoll said these words, Blinded by unbelief and sin, the world will easily fall prey to the second beast's deceptive messages and methods. Intellectually, they will be attracted to him. Emotionally, they will be drawn to him. And he will have convincing, amazing signs. And look at what he does here. Look at what he does here, verse 14. 
And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by these signs, which was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image. Here's the image. So he makes a statue. The image is similar to the one in Daniel 2. Okay, now watch this. And then it says this, verse, verse, verse 15. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, and the image should both speak. He's going to cause the statue to appear to be breathing and appear to be talking. Now, some of y'all have watched enough sci-fi junk to believe that right there without any other explanation. You don't think by then there'll be the ability to take holographic images and throw them over a statue and people are so crazy over here half strung out on dope, done told God to get out of their lives, stand there looking at a statue and going, whoa. It's talking. I've seen crazier stuff even today. And you read this stuff, and it's not hard to believe, especially with the delusion that comes over people that have said no to Jesus Christ already. He is going to perform miracles. Number three, he's going to deceive without discrimination, meaning he is going to cause a delusion to come over literally every single person. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world will blind the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. He, and, and how is he going to do that? He's going to do that by, fourthly, destroying those who refuse to surrender. Look down, if you will, at verse number uh, 15, second part. And, and those who would not worship the image of the beast will be killed. So you are literally in the tribulation, if you are not a believer, you are going to be forced to worship the Antichrist or you are going to die. Now, if that may seem far-fetched to you, the fact of the matter is, America is a big, soft pseudo-Christianity hub for everything milk toast, wishy-washy, non-Bible. But friend, if you were in Egypt today, or you were in China today, or you were in Madagascar today, or you were in Iraq today, you were in Iran today, and you tried to stand up and preach about Jesus Christ in a very real way, you could lose your actual life to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And it's going to be intensified in the tribulation. And finally, the final step of action with the, bee, or with the false prophet is this. He's going to make people receive a mark in their hand or on their forehead in order to be able to eat, in order to be able to buy food, and in order to be able to trade. Now here's the thing you've been ramping up for, right? He's going to put a mark in their hand or he's going to put a mark on their forehead. And it's 666, right? Don't you freak out like if, if you went to Verizon and they gave you a cell number and, and 666 was anywhere in that digit sequence, you're like, please change my number, okay? And there have been all kinds of crazy people trying to figure this out. It used to be UPC codes. Folks, listen, I'll explain 666 in a minute. I think there's a much simpler explanation for it. But let me just say to you, this should not be very hard for you to believe. People taking things in their hand or in their forehead, which is a mark. We don't know what the mark is, although it is the same word as tattoo in Leviticus. And that wouldn't be very hard to understand, would it? That somewhere down here near your hand you get a tattoo. I mean, that's kind of the thing now. Good or bad, right or wrong, whatever you think. 
Bottom line is this, people have tattoos all the time, and sometimes they're very beautiful, sometimes they have great messages, and I'm not going to be the guy that's going to try to use Leviticus to tell you you shouldn't get a tattoo. But I am here to tell you this, that if you are alive during this great tribulation period, uh, you'll be getting a tattoo if that's the method. But how about microchips? How about a microchip that identifies everybody? You've already, just go YouTube right now. You'll see people in other countries, and they literally have everything on a scan. It helps them get into their front door. It, when they go to the doctor's office, they don't need an ID. There'll be no more printing of IDs. They'll scan you right on your hand, and, and they'll let you in the doctor's office, and they'll let their, your medical records will be there. No, no, no ambulance is going to be looking for your wallet when they pick you up. They're going to be scanning your hand or whatever. That's just a, a simple possible explanation. But I want you to know this. It doesn't matter what it is. It literally doesn't matter if the, letter, the number 666 are tattooed on your head. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if, if it says the name of the Antichrist on your arm. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's a microchip. It doesn't matter. But here's what matters. What matters is he's going to tell you, if you don't do this, you're not going to eat. Now, you put that up against our materialistic American society, and people will be saying, you want it on both hands? Well, you want my elbow, back arm, Where? You mean to tell me I can't have my nice cars and my nice house and I can't do business like I've been doing all this time without your mark? Sure. Because already so many people have sold themselves out essentially to the devil through materialism and it's literally destroyed their life. They don't have time for their kids. They don't have time for their church. They don't have time to give. They don't have time to serve. Why? Because everything in their life is about money and prosperity and it is a miserable journey to go on. And that's how the devil easily is going to get you to fall prey because he's going to appeal to one of the most base needs in man's heart. I want stuff. I mean, think about it. There's people who'd rather eat out at Outback Steakhouse four times a month than tithe. And you don't think the old devil's going to get you to take a mark in your hand when he's already got you with a commercial? Bang! Folks, this is so simple. Can I finally give you an alert to believers today? Can I finally just say this to everybody listen to me? Y'all have got to get your heart up. You've got to get your mind engaged. You've got to know this is real today. It's here. It's alive. It's real right here and right now. So number three, I want you to see an alert to believers. I'm going to give you five statements I want to make on my way out of here today and that you need to take home with you that are true from this passage. Listen very carefully. Number one, immerse yourself in the truth of the Word of God. Immerse yourself in the truth of the Word of God. You have got to live in this book. And listen, you don't eat once a week. You shouldn't read once a week. Don't make your pastor be the one that spoon-foods you a little thimbleful of Bible each week, and it's the only meal you have. Live in the Word of God. My goodness, guys, we got these Bible apps that are so easy and simple. I mean, it makes it just so absolutely simple for you to take a few minutes and get into the Word of God every single day. But listen, you have got to immerse yourself in the Bible. Number two, you've got to exercise discernment with who influences you, who influences your kids, who influences your thinking. Number four, three, you've got to reject the compelling desire for material gain. Oh, this is so real. I mean, read 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man, uh, uh, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, it's of the world. 
Guys, the desire for things, the desire for material possessions, the desire for padded bank accounts, the desire for delicacies, it's all from the devil. Is there anything wrong with having money and having stuff? Of course not. Does it have you? Does it have you? So reject the compelling desire for material to gain. Number four, re, uh, stand for the gospel in an increasingly hostile world. Friend, if we won't stand now, we'll never stand if we're alive during this time. I mean, if, we, if, we, if, you, if you squirmed in your seat when I was calling Islam what it is, then friend, you're going to have a real hard time when they're trying to cram it down your throat. If, you can, if you're having trouble in this environment, not understanding that there is a plain difference between Jesus and Allah, then you're going to be as Confused as a termite in a yo-yo one day, okay? Stand now for the gospel. And then finally, folks, I mean, receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you have not done that, today is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Now, I want to end with this. I'm going to end with what I was going to say about 666. Listen, in verse 18 of our text, listen back to the text. It, it calls for wisdom. Here is wisdom. And what does he say? He says, look at, the name, look at the number of the beast. Wisdom, in verse 18, is attached to you, making a connection in your mind with the beast and the number. But an important statement is made here. It is the number of man. His number is 666. I think the number is more a description than an identification. Six is the number of man in the Bible. I mean, the text says it plainly. Why is that? Because man was created on the sixth day. Man was supposed to work how many days? Six days. And he was to rest on the seventh. Okay, so in Scripture, six is the number of man. It's when he was created. It's how much he was supposed to work. But what's the number of perfection, number of God in the Bible? Seven. It's the completion. It's the fulfillment. It's perfect. What is God saying? Here is wisdom. Do not settle for a phony counterfeit. Do not settle for a mere man. Only be a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ alone was God in the flesh. Jesus Christ alone performed the miracles and signs and wonders that demonstrated to the world that he was in fact God. Jesus Christ alone, God, the, the God and 100% God and 100% man, laid his precious body down on Calvary 2,000 years ago and he literally died not just for him. He had no sins. He died for your sins and he died my sins. Listen, for my sins. And listen very carefully. Only Jesus Christ alone the third day kicked the ends of the grave out of their place and walked out alive and died no more. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. And only Jesus can save you. And if you have not opened up your heart like the front door of your house and confessed the Lord Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. Do not follow a lie. Do not follow a lie. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I'm asking you today, will you right now believe in your heart? Man, I'm not going to believe a lie. I'm going to accept Jesus. He's the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only way. He's alive. The rest of them are dead. By the way, you want to know all other religions? You say, how do you know all other religions are different than our religion? I'll tell you, it's really simple, okay? You want to follow every other religious leader in the entire world 
And guess where you're going to follow them to? You're going to follow them to some mosque. You're going to follow them to some graveyard. Yeah, people do it all the time, don't they? They go travel around the world and they go look at some person's body laying in some ground somewhere. But I'm here to tell you, there's one thing you'll not find. That is a grave today that is holding the body of Jesus Christ. There is no grave where his body is. There's only a grave where his body was. And our, Savior, our Savior's tomb is not famous for who is there. It is famous because he is not there. He is risen indeed. Friend, listen, I am no genius. I'm certainly not a rocket scientist. I didn't even do that well in school. But I can tell you this much. I am not interested in following a dead man. I am interested in following a living Savior. I am interested in one who can do for me what I cannot do for myself. And that is one day, get me up out of the grave. There's only one person that can call me to when I close my eyes in death, he's going to grab my hand and walk me across the Jordan River and into my eternal Canaan land. Nobody can do that. I can't do it for myself. You can't do it for yourself. Only Jesus can do that. Lord, help us. Mohammed is dead. He can't carry you to eternal life. But Jesus can. So today, you can open up your heart right now like the front door of your house and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you can call on his name. You can pray and accept him and then publicly confess him. Will you do that today? Let's bow for prayer as the Irwins come to lead us in invitation. I want you to listen very carefully. I'm inviting you to open up your heart like the front door of your house. It's the best way I can describe it. You need Jesus. Right now, Jesus is on the outside. And you need to open up your heart and welcome Jesus on into the inside. You say, I don't like that language. Well, <laughs> Christ is in you, the hope of glory. That's Bible language. In a very real sense, when you get saved, Jesus comes on the inside. So how do you get Jesus in your life? Answer, invite him. Invite him. So right here, right now, would you right now, anybody in this room, young, old, child, man, woman, doesn't matter, first-time guest, member of the church, would you right here, right now, today, open up your heart and invite Jesus right now into your life, right now, right here, right now. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do it right now. And here's how I'm going to help you. I can't save you. I already said that. I can't even save myself but I can lead you to Jesus. I've already told you about him. I'm asking you right now if you ask him to be your savior. So with Christians praying right now, would you, would you right now say, right now on your heart or out loud, you can say it out loud, that's fine. No, nobody in this church is gonna be taken back by that. You can just open up your heart right now and just say these words or something like them. Dear Jesus, go ahead and tell him, dear Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner. Just like you're talking to me, friend. I know I'm a sinner, God, and I cannot save myself. But I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for me and rose again from the dead. Today, I accept him as my savior. 
thank you for loving me. Help me never to be ashamed of you. Now I want to say this. If you just prayed that prayer in a minute and you're glad you did, I want to be the first to welcome you to the family of God. I'm looking at so many people in this room who over the years at this church have prayed that very prayer and they've accepted Christ. And I know they're glad they did. That's why they're sitting here today. But who's here right now and say, Preacher, I want you to know today I just prayed that prayer. I meant it. I'm so glad that I did. I just asked Jesus to be my Savior. Preacher, I want you to know. I want you to keep me in prayer. If there's anybody like that, would right now, you just slip up your hand. Would you do it? Would you slip up your hand so I could see it? Just slip your hand right up and then right back down. Preacher, that's me. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing the message with me. Anybody like that at all? Just lift your hand right up and then right back down. I want you to stand to your feet if you would. We're just going to have a quick song of invitation. Maybe somebody's believing a lie in some other area. But I also believe there's, maybe you're here and you do not, literally, you don't know Christ, you're not sure, and you don't know what to do about it. And maybe you, maybe you didn't pray. I just want you to know back in the back here by the next steps table, we've got some of our people back there. They've got a Bible. They've got, they've got the knowledge to show you in the Bible how you can be saved. You got another question you'd like to ask him, just go. Just go ask him. It's fine. <clears throat> but let's pray. Let's have a quick song of invitation. And then we'll move on to the next part of our service. Let's, let's go ahead and pray. God, I pray you'll seal this message to our hearts. I pray we'll be discerning. <clears throat> I pray if there are folks here that have not accepted Christ, you'll urge them in their heart to follow you. Lord, I know sometimes in a confusing world, it's easy to just feel paralyzed. I just don't even know what to do. I'm so confused. God, provide clarity. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to pray while they're singing, just come on and pray. If you need Jesus, just feel free to go by the back or come and see me. If you know the song, you can sing along. Let's go.